Hello, my name is Taylor Clement. I'm the head of school at Kirk Day School. And I'm Maria Massey, the assistant head of school at Kirk Day School. And this podcast series is unpolarizing, polarizing conversations. And this is a really different one for us to have in a lot of ways, Maria, because we're bringing in friends of Kirk Day School who are also members of the black community, uh, not just in St. Louis, but but nationally, um, those that know us. And our goal is to really talk about some of the things that are hard, but I would say at times they're really more apolitical and more kingdom focused. Definitely. I think we're just trying to have a conversation that maybe we haven't had before or maybe that has felt really difficult to have. And we're trying to do that from a biblical perspective and also understand that different people may have different ideas and different opinions. Yeah, and and one of the things is in the podcast uh, that we start out with, with uh, Kenneth Griffin from Yateman Middle, you know, some of his worldview is going to be different than Anthony Lucas's worldview, and that that's a great thing. And then there's going to be some different worldviews that come in later this month. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, our, our number one goal is to really offer what a Christian worldview looks like and to help form that through the lens of Scripture and what Scripture says about it. And ultimately, when it comes to race relations, we know that every human being is created in the image of God. And how that manifests over time definitely is swayed by birth, by socioeconomics, by politics, everything else. But we want to start by teaching our children that the people that they see across, it doesn't matter the color of their skin, but it does matter that they're an image bearer of God. And and that's ultimately our hope with this. And so we start this podcast series off today with Kenneth Griffin. Uh, he is the middle school principal at Yateman Middle. There'll be more in the podcast about that. But uh, it's a pretty stark story. Parents, I would just acknowledge and want to tell you that that some of the things that he will share are very sensitive, but I don't think there's anything more than PG in that, but uh, based on his upbringing. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that we talk about, no matter what topic we're discussing, the questions that we always ask is, you know, what's true biblically about this? What's maybe not true or what doesn't fall in line biblically with this? What's confusing and uh, what's good? What, what good can we take out of that? Because we know that, you know, God has created everything and that there are glimpses of him in, in everything that we do. So even as you're listening to this, asking those questions, too, yeah. would be important. And one question that we're asking every, every guest this month is, is that it is Black History Month and we're, we're engaging with the black community. And more intentionally, I would say, than, than we have in the past, is how can you affirm and critique? And that, that's okay. That is okay to be critiqued. It is okay to be affirmed, and and we want that uh, to make sure that we have that we're able to take that and wrestle with it. Sometimes we may need to dismiss certain things to, in our own hearts. Mm-hmm. Other times we may need to be strongly convicted of that. And, and as Tim Keller wrote, uh, we need to find that kernel of truth yeah. to to do that for our children. So, that being said, uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this series. We're excited about it. And we're excited to bring it to you. So here comes the first podcast of unpolarizing, polarizing conversations. Hello, my name is Taylor Clement, and I'm the head of school at Kirk Day School. Uh, Kenneth Griffin, principal at Yateman Middle. All right. And today our guest is Mr. Kenneth Griffin, and he is. A friend of mine, he is down at Yateman Middle. We're going to unpack that uh, probably a great deal today. But um, this is the first of several conversations of unpolarizing, polarizing conversations. Mm -hmm. 
And and I will go ahead and say, Kenneth, you are a black male who grew up in St. Louis City. North you grew side, up in Foster, Louis. Yep. And so you and I are going to unpack that. And I am the whitest guy you'll probably ever come across. So we can Stop. we can we can do this. And so um, our our mutual friend Chris Pitts, our, our the Kirk Day School Athletic Director, uh, put us together. But the thing mm -hmm. is, is we both have a passion for education. Um, we both are are very similar in a lot of ways, Definitely. and we want to hit on those similarities right now more mm -hmm. than more than anything. And so I'm I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast, man. Man, first off, I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm very excited. I, like you said a minute ago, um, we have some differences, but we have so many similarities. We had a, a couple conversations um, already, and man, like I told my wife, I was like, man, I feel like this is my brother over here. So many different similarities. But I definitely want to thank you for, for this. This is not um, something that's easy for most folks to sit down and talk about some of the challenges that we have, in, especially in light of, you know, of the current socioeconomic system that we have in the United States. And your willingness is very impressive to me. So let's get to it. All right, let's, let's get do it. All right. Well, let's start with your story because I find your story really fascinating. Um, not just because, hey, you know, tough story and your mm -hmm. principal, but I'm going to go ahead and, and, and give kind of that movie trailer highlight. Yeah, yeah. You are now the principal of a school you were kicked out of. <laughs> Indeed, correct. All right. So, so you pick it up and go because I will say this. I doubt any any kid that's had to leave Kirk Day School will ever come back to be principal. Maybe out of disdain more than anything. Yeah. So you, you tell the story and, indeed. and yeah, share with us. So um, indeed, I went to uh, Yateman my sixth grade year and my seventh grade year. Um, my seventh grade year, and just a little backstory: I grew up in foster care, um, and so didn't have a traditional upbringing. And because of that, I had a lot of you know negative anger built up, and and you know obviously that's a traumatic experience for a kid. But yeah, I went to I went to Yaman Middle. My sixth grade year, I had a great year. I loved the teachers there. I learned that year that I wanted to go into an education. Um, I had a social studies teacher who um, was really having challenges, and I was like, man, I really wish I could help her. And so I decided then I would go into education. Well, that next year, my seventh grade year, I got moved into a different foster home, um, and and me and the foster parent had the worst of relationships. Um, I was he kicked me out a couple times. We argued and fought. I was a rebellious kid, and in reflection, I know that I was a rebellious kid but um I, I, for the most part I just took it out at school got into a couple fights and um, my seventh grade year at the end I got into a really really big fight and uh, actually I joke about it I got a chipped tooth currently and I tell kids all the time if you guys see a chipped tooth around here it's probably mine from all those years ago <laughs> you know God the guys you know it was a rough fight so I ended up losing a little piece of it but um, I ended up getting kicked out of the school and uh, my foster dad had to find another school for me to go to. So um, yeah, indeed, I was uh, kicked out of Yeaman and now I'm the principal. My office sits right next to the old student files. So if I dig deep enough, I might be able to find records of the fight and burn them so nobody knows about it. Now, you, so you've got that experience, but, and, and I want to be clear, so I, I went down to Yeaman and I visited. Mm -hmm. um, you, you had me down there, you toured me around the campus and um, and, and I'll just say, you guys also told me I needed to leave before it got dark. And, Indeed. And, and we talked about the seriousness of that, and, yeah. and you were watching out for, for me and my, and my own Most ignorance definitely. and safety and everything else. Mm -hmm. So before, and, and we'll unpack that a little bit. And, definitely. Um, but when you left Yateman, you were in high school, talk about kind of the, the different um, neighborhoods, um, crossing the neighborhoods. You mm -hmm. told a story about even just the colors you were wearing for a school uniform. Correct, yeah. Um, just some, some of the, it kind of highlights some mm -hmm. of the things that you experienced culturally that frankly sitting across the street from 
where the PGA Championship took place. Right. We're, we're not seeing, even though it's 15 miles down the road. It's insane. Yeah, so, hey, I was very excited to have you on campus. I bragged to my staff the next day. I was like, hey, I, I met a new friend, and he came into our, our campus. And um, so, hey, I was glad you came, and, and you're always welcome to come. So, indeed, um, uh, Yateman is in the middle of one of the uh, toughest areas in St. Louis. So, North St. Louis City um, is an area right now where you're seeing a significant amount of people, A, moving out of, and the folks that are remaining, you're seeing them engage in more criminal behavior. Um, and so it's a legitimate war zone, and it can go from block to block. It's not, um, as my, my buddy uh, Chris Pitt says, it's not organized nearly as well as it is like in a city like Chicago or Los Angeles, whereas in St. Louis, it's more block to block. Um, it, it's, it's quite the dangerous area. So much so, I was leading a, um, we were, I was leading a faculty meeting a couple weeks ago, and it, I mean, it must have, somebody was driving down the street and we heard gunfire, you know, it, unfortunately that's something you were hearing in that area, but this gunfire was different. It sounded like he was shooting, I don't even know what type of gun it was. It was a gun that you'll see in the military and here in the military, I didn't see it, I just heard it. And um, I had to cancel our meeting. Um, I, I told my folks, hey, everybody, I need everybody to go ahead and be safe. And it was virtual, so it was only about seven or eight people on campus. But we had to stay and give uh, witness reports um, it became a big deal. And so you see that in, in, in those type of neighborhoods. Um, it's almost a, almost a forgotten area. I mean, even now, um, you look at uh, the development in St. Louis, North City is not experiencing any of that development. They're not getting any right. of those funds. Right. These houses are still being rented, not owned. The neighborhoods are still, for the most part, the same as they was when I was a kid. I mean, I, I, told, uh, I told Taylor the story of me, me uh, on a baseball team at Beaumont, and we went, so we so Beaumont for the most part we used to play at a park called Fairgrounds Park. It's on uh, what is it Natural Bridge, and it's right across the street from Beaumont. That's where most of our baseball games took place. Okay. Every once in a while we have to travel. Now at this time Beaumont did not have a license or a um, a partnership with First Student, so we had to catch public transportation to all our buses. And first Student, just for our parents, that that's a bus company that that most of the school districts mm -hmm. in this area will partner with and contract with yes, sir. To, to get bus services. Correct, and at that time, um, they used their better judgment and decided not to have a contract with our school, primarily because of the violence that would take place on the bus, um, the liability that, they, that we couldn't, you know, we couldn't guarantee the safety of, of the bus drivers, a whole bunch of other reasons. And so we caught the bus, the bi-state bus, um, public transportation to school, from school, to games, from games. And so we, we, we had to take, we had a game in the South, South City, and uh, we were playing Cleveland in baseball. And our uniforms was bright blue, bright gold, like the Rams old uniforms, back yeah. when Kurt, Kurt Warner won the Super Bowl, that color. And I knew going down there, it, wasn't gonna be, it wasn't gonna be a good idea. Um, I've been down there before in regular clothes, and so I knew you don't wanna wear blue and gold down there. And, and the truth is, you don't wanna wear bright blue and gold at that stage anywhere in St. Louis, <laughs> except on the baseball field. And so we ended up getting down uh, getting down there and getting ready for the game. And as we got onto the Metro Link, um, I, I immediately saw people looking at us and I knew it was about to happen. And so when we got to our stop, immediately there was a fight. It was a brawl on the Metro Link and outside the Metro Link. Cause it was nine of us. It was about, I'll take it back. It was about 11 to 12 of us there. And it was about, I don't know, eight or nine of their guys. And, and you're, you're honestly an innocent bystanding kid because of your baseball uniform. As soon as they saw me, I knew it. Because, yeah, that's it It was no – everybody, for the most part, we were focused on the game. Um, we knew that the game was going to be played. A lot of our games had been canceled because of violence. 
during or before a game and we knew that this game was going to get played so we were hyped we were ready to go down there you know my, my at this stage I, I was separated from my mom but she was coming to the game so i was hyped up about that um you know so i was excited and so whenever i saw the guys looking at us i was like oh man i know we're not gonna make it to this game and I, if i had a phone i would have hit my coach but i knew it and so as soon as the bus as soon as the metrolink stopped at the station and the doors opened up it just turned into a fight immediately wow. immediately it was like it was a melee and um i ended up getting out of it i had i got a scratch on my cheek from that fight still to this day but other than that i got out and got back on the retro link and took myself up north um and it was it was the uh it was spring so i didn't have a coat so i had to ride back up to the north with that same uniform on and um so yeah it was being in that environment th that was just normal you experience you experience those things on a daily basis wow yeah, basketball games, football games, PHL when I was in high school, those games, unless you were a Vashon or one of those big schools, and when I say PHL is public high school league, they're referring to St. Louis yeah. Public Schools. Okay. And yeah, the, those man, those games would never get finished. Never. Wow. Okay, so let's uh, let's let's start to dig into some of that. Mm -hmm. Now I wanna know I know I wanna know real quick, um, how you got to college from from being in this foster care system getting kicked out of schools experiencing that mm -hmm. how did you get to college to and then on to your master's degree yeah man i'll tell you this much it's, it's um i was blessed by folks that i met who are not related to me um it's, it's crazy to say that but i didn't once i turned the age of 15 i did not receive any more support from my family financial emotional or any of that stuff i, I never got a phone call from my mom or my dad saying, hey, you know, good luck on this test or good luck on that. So it wasn't because of those folks, it was because of folks that I've met. And I would say the first person uh, that definitely helped me was my social worker, and it was Sarah Saffel. Um, and, you know, since we're making this about race, the folks that I'm gonna mention now are individuals who were white. Um, Sarah Saffel and then Daryl Fritley are the two folks that I would say were most instrumental. Wow. Um, both of them were white. Um, and I would say the third person would definitely be my wife, Raven, who I met when I when I became an adult. Um, well, legally an adult when I was 19. But um, but Sarah, she was always there. She was always encouraging me. She always told me, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a late. She would lay things out for me. She would say, if you want to do this, this is how you do it. And I'm a person that if you tell me how to do it, I'm going to do it until I, until I accomplish it. And so she would say, if you want to go to college, you need a FAFSA. And this is how you complete the FAFSA. I completed the FAFSA. I gave it to her. Here it is. I, I did it. She's like, okay, well, you need to have this type of GPA. I worked hard and I got the GPA that I needed. Um, it took a lot my senior year because my, my grades were rough. Um, I got uh, in trouble in high school too. <laughs> but she would lay out, this is what you need to do. If you want a scholarship, this is how you do it. And so she basically walked me into, um, into college. I mean, um, and she had a case of me and my siblings. So it was six people that she was responsible for. And she invested a lot in all of us, um, especially myself. And so once, I, once that section was over, I got carried over into college where I met Daryl Fritley, who at the time was um, just a professor, a history professor. And I, I'll tell you now, that man hated my guts at CMO. He hated my guts. My grades was bad. I represented his um, department, history, history education. That was his department, and I represented it very poorly. All of my grades was bad. Um, early on, I brought my brother in, and um, I adopted him, so he was living there. So I had a full-time job. So I had my brother, my girl, and my job, school was like priority four or five. Wow. And for three or four consecutive years, I was not doing what it took to graduate. And my grades, I was on academic probation the entire time. And Fritley was doing his best to encourage me to leave the, the department. 
Um, and part of me thinks that he was doing it to motivate me. And once I started actually going into teaching, not the not the academic classes, not math, not EC 101, right, e economics, right. once I got into actual teaching, that's when it was a game changer. Um, he saw me teach. Everybody saw me teach. And they saw, okay, he, he's different than the folks that, he's different than what we thought he was. And so after that, um, me and Daryl got really, really close and he became instrumental in how I developed my philosophy in education, um, how I developed my understanding of curriculum. He taught me all of those things. And um, he was able to beg the dean over in education to allow me into the education program probationary wise. And so the combination of having him and the combination of having my wife who was not playing games at the time, she was discouraged with my grades. She, I, I probably would have lost her if I didn't graduate when I was supposed to. So my first degree took me six full years to get. Wow. Six full years. And, and you had two victory laps. Yes, <laughs> correct. And so my, my two masters, I think this is fascinating, I got two masters in under six years, in five years. So once I figured it out, yeah, it was a wrap. So I figured it out year five of college, and then after that I just knocked the other degrees off. And so um, Fritley was there throughout that entire process. Mm -hmm. Um, he was there for my, my first and my second masters, and he, he was my mentor then. And later on, he ended up hiring me for my first leadership job. That's amazing. He hired me to lead the, I became the director of the field and clinical um, office at Southeast Missouri State. So all of the student teachers at CMO for a year, I, <laughs> that's amazing. I managed them with, with Daryl Freely as my boss. Wow, okay. And when I say, when I say that I enjoy, now he's a tough boss. He, yeah. he was mean irritable he stayed on my neck I got in trouble a couple of times but man in that one year I learned more about leadership than I did in the six years that I completed my two masters in just that fast he was just he was that instrumental all right so now now let's let, let's get a little controversial would you consider that white rescue or would you consider that an influence of perhaps white privilege yeah so I've thought about this a lot um, and the truth is I don't think it's either one. Um, I think Fritley was operating, and Sarah, operating as individual to individual. They saw my story, they were interested in me, and they saw opportunity, they saw promise. Um, and this is something that I do in my life. Um, I just hired a teacher a month ago. I for, for weeks and months, I've been trying to recruit her because I know she has the skills. It's something that she, maybe she don't even know herself, but I've seen it before and other folks have seen it. And so I, I believe in her, and I told her, I, I really want you on my team. And I've been recruiting her for a month, and I got her on my team now. She's going to be staff for the month. Breaking news. She's going to be staff for the month <laughs> this month. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. So she, um, so it's, it's really about them seeing me and meeting me and knowing my story and seeing how I approach life. And I just feel like, I feel like really, really, really wants the best for me. I think he, I think he feels like um, there's, there's a lot that I have to offer to the world. And if he's in a position to make sure that it comes to fruition, he's gonna do it. And he did it ruthlessly. Well, and I love hearing, I love hearing what you just said because if we're, if we're really going apolitical and in a non-racial point of view, mm -hmm. that's what we want. Right? Correct. Is we want it to be about the individual the relationship. Yep. Now, culture and the unconscious bias, I will be the first to say 
I do think all of that plays into mm-hmm. it. It does. Definitely. But when you when you have that relationship, that that's what matters. Now, as educators, you and I can easily agree and be like, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But then when it when other things and the outside noise comes in, that that definitely distorts that. So to hear you say that is is really. Oh yeah. I'll be honest. It's really encouraging for me to to hear that. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and it's important because and, and and mind you, we're in a different time now than we were obviously 10, 15 years ago. Right. And if, if this was to take place now, maybe I would have a different opinion just in light of things that are going on, but that just wasn't the case. And you, you look at the background of these two individuals, Sarah Saffold, she's from this area. She grew up in St. Louis. She has mixed children. Her, her, her husband was black. For her, it wasn't race. You know, she, was, yeah. she, she truly, genuinely cared about kids. And she just, I, I really, in my heart, felt like she just happened to have a caseload of five black kids, you know, six black kids. And I saw her do her best. I witnessed it. I saw caseworkers quit left and right. We probably had a dozen caseworkers in our 12 years in the system. She never, she never budged. She was there. Wow. And then you have Fritley, um, who, who's all about meritocracy. What, what can you do? How can I get you to the next level? Um, you know, my, my entire teaching style was developed by this man, and my entire leadership style was developed by this man. No, I don't think it was about race. You know, he's from. That's awesome. Yeah, you is. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen white fight before. I, I I I see it on a daily basis. Matter of fact, let me take it back. I see it on a daily basis. That wasn't that. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't. You know. Uh, you know, right? Jesus Christ coming in and save me or nothing like that. Um, but I'll say this much: I'm glad that that they were there. Um, because I know folks that were in foster care. Um. I got a foster brother that's been missing for six years. I got a foster brother that's dead. I got a foster brother that's in and out of jail. I got a foster brother that's living in a, in a vacant um, a vacant home right now. I got a foster brother that's uh, seriously addicted to drugs. I got a foster sister that, that has several children with no uh, father in their life. I got a, um, a foster sister that was uh, that was abducted in, into um, um, sexual trafficking. I got a foster sister that was killed. I got a foster sister that's currently homeless with two kids. Like, none of these people in those situations come out doing well. The, the data points that if you are in foster care, if you are a, a child in transition, the data insinuates clearly you're gonna struggle with substance abuse. You're not gonna be able to provide for yourself. Um, you're gonna be a, a ward of the state even after the fact. You're gonna depend on the government financially. Um, and so for me to not be, not, not fall victim to any of those things, yeah, I consider it a definite blessing. That's incredible. Okay, so let's let's go to some of the things that you see, both from your past and what you and I talked about. So, one of the things that I that I find really interesting, and you guys challenged me on this, and and honestly, I can say with no bias whatsoever that this is true, and that is, North City is a food desert. One hundred percent. Now, food desert sounds weird mm-hmm. to say to be in such an urban area, but explain what food desert means. And and then I'll I'll come back and tell you what Definitely. I saw on my drive out. That, that I'm curious. Yeah, okay. I'm curious. All, All right. right. So food desert. This is essentially, um, as as the word indicates, an area um, in which um, there is a significant lack of fresh, um, uh, obviously fresh fruit, vegetables, meat, etc. Um, but it's a, it, they refer to it as a desert because it, it can be a big area, um, and yeah, my, the area that I grew up in. It was definitely a food desert, and, and 
I told you the story about uh, my senior year of high school. Yeah. I was at um, Parkway Central. Uh, long story, I got kicked out of Beaumont as well, and my foster dad got me into Parkway Central. And um, so, yeah, so I was at Parkway Central. I noticed, man, like, every day we had the freshest of foods. Like, we was eating. They had salad. They had Chick-fil-A at the school at the time. We had fresh fruit, grapes, apples, etc. I did not get that at Beaumont. When I was at Beaumont, all we ate every day, I'm not joking, we ate. We drank a Fruitopia, we got some cheese fries, and we got hot fries, and everybody would put cheese on top of it. We had pizza as an option, we had nachos as an option, um, but we I, we never had fresh salad, fresh fruit, stuff like that. Um, and as a result, I never valued that type, those type of, of foods. Um, and so my senior year, I did a study. I went ahead and I parked at um, at Snooks on Grand and Leaf. For my St. Louis people that, that's in the city, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. That Snooks is now closed. And I parked there for a week, and all I did was just take data. How many times did the truck pull up? And I was there basically from 5 o'clock to around 8, 8.30 every day, and I would just collect data. How many times did the truck make a drop-off with fresh fruit, fresh food, or, or anything in general? And I did the exact same thing at the Deerbergs out in West County, um, and it was staggering. I mean, we were talking about one or two, maybe three drops a week at that Snooks. Um, and at the Durbergs that I said it, I would see that within an hour. I would see at least I would see at least one drop an hour at the Durbergs. Where they would it, rather it would be fresh fruit, fruit. It would be fresh food, meat, whatever the case may be. Sometimes I hopped out my car and asked, "What are you guys delivering?" And I would take that down and um, I put it on a chart. Man, if I had that chart right now, you, you, it'd drive you insane. So, um, so this is this gets really interesting because here's what I saw when I drove out. Mm-hmm. I saw abandoned building, abandoned building, abandoned building, maybe a new home that somebody had, had, had kind of refurbished yep. and, and was working through. Mm-hmm. Abandoned building. I saw one McDonald's. I saw one Church's Chicken. Mm-hmm. And then I saw a couple of convenience stores and not even gas stations. Yep. Like, I didn't see a gas station, which was the other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking maybe buying alcohol, cigarettes, and some of the the snack foods that have yep. the you know all the, the yeah. stuff we don't want in mm-hmm. our bodies, right? Um, that was shocking after you mentioned that because you think, oh, I'm just going through a bad section of town. You don't necessarily think about mm-hmm. how do you live and maybe try because there's. I, I will say, uh, and and I and I, and I want to be real with our parents, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to act like, oh man, you know, all of a sudden this this one night changed my life. Right. But what what you guys help is is to say, like, no, watch it, watch what you or see something differently. Mm-hmm. Let me put it that way. Yeah, see something yeah. differently. And you just challenged me on that. That was really helpful for me, mm-hmm. because if, if if let's say I took a, you know, plenty of money, and down to that area, if you don't have a car, it don't matter. It doesn't matter. Yep. And if you want to, if you want to get shipped or you want to get Instacart delivered to your house, they won't deliver. One hundred percent. You cannot get food. It kills me. I can't get DoorDash. I can't get Instacart. You can. And I got buddies that are principals at other schools, and they take pictures of. I got a buddy that's a principal over at Mallinckrodt. His name is Dr. Williams, and he has a Chick Fil A in his. So they have a playground, and in the back of the playground is a Chick Fil A. And he walks over there and, and sends me pictures of him eating, and I'm like, "Oh, that's nice." I'd you can't get hundred pounds if, if that was. <laughs> yeah, that's all he does every day. He walks over there and takes a picture and, and makes sure that I know that he's eating Chick Fil A. Okay, so how have you tried to solve that problem? 
personally because you are a person of influence mm -hmm. in your community right now. Definitely. And I think and what, something that you showed me I thought was just really brilliant. So what, have, what did you do differently? Yeah, so we've done a couple things. Um, the first thing is I, I partnered with um, our, uh, our local politicians. I have a, a great working relationship with, not just great working, but great personal relationship with our alderman, um, uh, Alderman Muhammad. He's over Ward 21. Um, he actually has a sister who's uh, a state rep, and we have a great relationship with her. And so along with a few other partners, once a month, and actually this Monday will be um, when we do it again, uh, once a month we bring about 10,000 pounds of fresh food and fresh um, fruit, vegetables, et cetera, and we bring it on campus. We stack them up in boxes, and the boxes end up being taller than us. It's at, at minimum, we've done 10,000 pounds per, um, per month. Um, I send out alerts to all of the north side schools. It's, um, you know, you got Yateman, you got Nance, you got LaCleed, Lexington, you got Ashland, Deshaun. And so I send out a message to all of those schools, let them know, hey, on Monday, we're gonna have about 10,000 pounds of food. We wanna make sure folks don't get uh, COVID, so it's gonna be contactless. And so on, a, on, on that Monday, I'm sure it's gonna be a line of vehicles wrapped around our um, building, uh, coming to grab this fresh fruit, this fresh food. And we give it all away, all the way. Whatever number, if, if you're listening to this and you're on the north side, uh, whatever you need, we're gonna give it all away. My goal is to get rid of all of the food, wow. and we have every single time. There's nothing left but boxes and crates. And so um, our partners, we got another partner, Little Bit, um, Little Bit Foundation. They've helped as well, but that's critical. It's critical. Um, I'm a big believer that you are what you eat, and mm. if we got young kids not eating fresh lettuce, fresh grapes. Of course, they're not going to grow the rate they not, they need to. Of course, they're not going to think the way that they need to think. They're eating potato chips every day, you know. So we do that, and we also we paired that with having a in store grocery store on campus. Um, I have a F FSS. These letters are all annoying, but she's a full service personnel, and basically anything that I need from the community, I call her. Her name is Melissa Nash. She's a one. A1, like she's, she's the premium when it comes to connections in the community. And so she she manages our store that we have on campus. We open it up every single Wednesday. Um, if a parent shows up on a Monday, we open it up for that parent. If they show up on a Tuesday, we open it up for the parent. Um, if we got food there, I don't care when you show up, we gonna take care of you. And so we pair those two activities up and it's been working really, really well so far. And what was interesting when I saw, the, when I saw your store, and I mean, to be clear, I mean, we're talking in the middle of a middle school mm -hmm. yep. okay so walking in just like um a lot of our parents experience westminster's wildcat store mm -hmm. you guys have a grocery, grocery store, store and we are talking bananas, bananas apples, apples and in the uh, those those fruits mm -hmm. that, that don't have to meat. be necessarily refrigerated then you've got your other mm -hmm. i mean it, it was really really cool to we, see we take it serious man we take it serious we um i know we did uh that and we also did our turkey giveaway we gave away hundreds of turkeys. Um, we, I, know, I knew going into the holiday season, that's a big emphasis for me, is making sure that we show our kids, show people love, because not everybody's gonna have a, a Merry Christmas. And that, that's right. kind of what I told my staff, like, I know it's the holiday season and we should be joyful, but I was one of those kids, you know, where I didn't look forward to Christmas. After I turned 11, it was, it was not a holiday for me anymore. And we got kids like that right now, where the 25th is just the 25th. It's just another day in December for them. And the same for Thanksgiving, it's just another day. Me and my brother, um, whenever I, once I got put in foster care, me and my brother had a tradition where we would order church's chicken and we'll sit and watch football on Thanksgiving. That was our tradition, church's chicken, football. I liked it, it was fun. <laughs> 
So but, not the worst, yeah, but yeah, yeah. All that said, yeah, for so sure. So I made that a big emphasis. So this year we, we gave out hundreds of um, turkeys. We had, actually we had another state senator, uh, Stephen Roberts, who, who pulled up with a truck full of turkeys. And we went door to door, handing them out. So it's, it's, it's important for us. And how, how many of those folks do you think, and I'm just, I'm, I'm being critical here and, and trying to be a critical thinker. Mm-hmm. How many of those folks that got a turkey would turn around and vote for Mr. Roberts or would show up to the polls, do you think, versus maybe they can't even vote? Yeah, unfortunately, it wouldn't, wouldn't be a lot of those folks that would come out and vote for him. Um, number one, you know, we're in, we're in a neighborhood where a lot of folks got felonies, and in this state, you can't vote if you right. have a felony. So that's number one. Uh, number two, vote. Voting has been down in the city traditionally over the past, we, we're talking the past 30 years voting, um, you know, it's, it's been, we get on politics, I'm gonna talk now, you know, but it's, it's been very, very discouraging to see um, the lack of voter engagement um, in the city. Um, and it has a whole bunch of different reasons, but I'll tell folks, take a good look at what took place in Georgia um, and how they were able to motivate folks to come vote, not necessarily vote for a party, but their methods, how they were able to convince people um, I mean, we're talking about Stacey Abrams employing all resources possible. Um, St. Louis needs a bit of that um, because our votes, for the most part, are on the outside ring of St. Louis. It's on the right. outside. It's in the north, you know, east, west, south. In the inside, there's not much going on in the well, North city. And when I went to, to even vote in November for the presidential election, I did early voting mm-hmm. at the county center, right, um, mm-hmm. near, near Florissant. And the the racial makeup was much more, um, I would say, representative of the St. Louis area mm-hmm. there than it was anywhere else that, that, that I've been. But, I mean, it, it was striking to see, like, mm-hmm. that was actually a really helpful thing to know, like, there's there's plenty of people out here that are wanting to vote, they're yep. willing to cast their ballot, regardless of the outcome of, of what your state's going to mm-hmm. vote as far as the presidential election. It was really, it was really interesting to see that. Now, let's, let's, go to to this aspect when it comes to when it comes to this neighborhood and it comes to those to the change there are some systemic problems Mm -hmm. and one of the words that you use and i think and and this does pertain to talking about the voting one of the words that you and chris both use is ignorance Mm -hmm. and you don't put up with ignorance no sir and i want to and i want to be clear and and I'm, i'm actually looking at my bookshelf right now while we're talking because um, I used to I used to teach a book, and you had the same book on your bookshelf, mm. Josephus. Yes, sir. And the history history of the ancient world, mm-hmm. and like here we are, you know. Yes, and, sir. and so, yeah, we might have a, we might have a few different worldviews, but we have some of the same people oh, yeah. that have helped influence it, which is which was really cool. So, talk about the ignorance aspect. Most definitely. So, first off. Um, I want to I want to just make a real quick compliment like the fact that you trust your eyes and you trust what you see a lot of folks aren't willing to do that it's right in your face and some folks they, they refuse to acknowledge what was just real and so you going and voting and seeing that demographic and seeing that makeup um, and, and, and actually walking away from it with a realization is something that's big and then listening that's something else that you brought up you really really good at sitting and listening to us and I really appreciate that as well so yeah um, yeah Number one, the fact that you're able to pronounce Joseph, um, Josephus for me, I was just like, oh, he knows about it. Okay, that's great. <laughs> so that was exciting. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of, there's a lack of knowledge when it comes to the importance of voting, um, the importance of the candidates knowing their, um, their stances on, on certain topics. 
And really for me, so I, I, I did, I'll, I'll be honest, I did work for a couple of political campaigns in my in my under years. I, I worked for uh, Alderwoman Stacey, uh, Casey Star Triplett, and I worked on the Obama campaign. Um, and one thing I noticed when working for both of these individuals is that it's important that you're able to make politics relevant for people. Um, and that means kind of kind of talking to them about the issues that really, really hit the core. And a lot of folks in the city are in survival mode, and as a result, they, 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 they could care less about a politician. They don't trust politicians. Politics hasn't necessarily uh, positively affected them. And so there's this, there's this void of knowledge right in that gap. Um, I, and one, one thing that we do at, on our campus to kind of help that is, number one, we're a polling location. Um, number two, we, we will post on our, on our property signs for our local politicians advertising some of their posts to educate the community as they drive by. So I want bulleted points on big, big boards, and we stick those in so you can kind of drive and see some of that stuff. Um, and uh, then we invite the politicians to come to campus. So when uh, folks are voting, they're bumping into the politicians and listening to some of their policies. Mm. And so that's that's one thing that we were kind of do, kind of able to do to kind of help it. But this is just my first year there. Um, to have a significant impact is probably going to take years and years of doing stuff like that. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. All right. So here, here's what I want, and we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up. I, I want three things from you to, to end this podcast. Yes, sir. I want you to talk about um, talk about something the white community, challenge the white community, okay, in, mm -hmm. in West County. And not everybody's white in West mm. County, but challenge us. All right. Okay. Um, affirm us, okay, in some, some areas that you can affirm. So, so critique and affirm, and then tell about your collection. My collection. All right. So number one, <laughs> because I, I told several people about yeah. the collection. It's wild. So first one is a critique, a challenge. Um, I challenge you to do something that I just mentioned a moment ago. Um, we are in divisive times, as divisive as it gets. Um, I, I'm hoping that we're trending in a positive direction. My challenge would be to, to the folks listening would be to listen, to learn, and not just listen to things that are around you. Listen to the things that you happen to, to be around but take some initiative, identify a specific person, a specific school, a specific demographic, a specific area, go and learn about that. Um, just like you came to North, Saint, North City St. Louis, I mean, you came to North City St. Louis and DoorDash doesn't come to North Side St. Louis. And so that says a ton. Um, you came with your ears open and you, you sat and listened to me and my buddy talk for an hour. We, we engaged in a conversation for quite some time. Well, I also got dirt on Chris. So oh, that, that that's helped. mandatory. That's mandatory. <laughs> I'm going to give you some more, though. That guy. Yeah, that'll, that'll work. Yeah. So um, so my challenge would be to do that. Um, and I cannot emphasize that enough. Do not soak up. Don't lean on the knowledge that you already have. All right. You already know about your area. You know about the, the struggles that you may have out here. Identify a specific target. And say, I want to learn about that. Like, just for me, I want to learn about you and your school. Absolutely. And so I took off a day. And I don't take, though. I'm crazy. I'm a crazy madman. I took off my second half of my day. I was like, I got to go see my guy. And um, so that's something that you need to do. Um, and I can't stress enough. Um, I don't know how to say it, but it's important that you're listening. A lot of, I've, I've seen a lot of folks think that they're listening. That's not active listening. Active listening is I want you to specifically listen with a, with, with a, an idea in your head not being there. <laughs> mm -hmm. You are open and honest and you're just listening. A lot of folks listen to respond. A lot of folks listen to problem solve. Don't do any of that. 
Don't do any of that. Just listen to learn. That's it. Just like if you were in a college class and your professor's in the front of the class teaching. Just listen to learn. Um, so that would be my challenge. And it sounds easy, but it's not. I give you a lot of credit for doing that. You know, um, it's not it's not easy at all. Affirm. Tell me a little bit more about what you want to hear with affirm. I don't want to mess it up. Oh, I mean, I, and I have no agenda with with the firm. How can how can you encourage um, West County um, and maybe maybe either some good that you've seen done or some some stances that you've seen that says this is actually helpful to my neighborhood or to to my school or or to the folks that, that I'm trying to lead. Absolutely. So um, there's a few different ways I can go with this, but I feel like. Um, what we're doing now and interacting with each other and learning about each other, I do feel like it's going to bear fruit in the future. Just just us having interactions um, on an ongoing basis is going to be positive for both of our buildings. You've got students here that would benefit from my experiences. Absolutely. And believe it or not, I got four students that would benefit from you as well. Um, and so that exchange, um, that's what really a relationship is, right? Not necessarily exchanging um, finances or anything like that, but exchanging ideas, concepts, plans. Um, those type of things, and so I would I would say that, that would be a powerful affirmation to continue our partnership and see what we can what we can do on that. Um, as for my my collection, oh, so when I first got hired at uh, Yateman, I'm like I'm like the the old dog that likes to walk around the yard. I'm a big walker. Um, even today, I only worked half a day and I walk ten thousand steps. That's all I do. I'm a busy principal. I'm a hallway principal. You're gonna see me. And when you don't see me, I'm coming. You're going to see me in 15 seconds because that's what I do. And so back in uh, the summer, I walked the yard every day when I first got hired. And I got hired back in August. And so in the month of August, I was outside walking on a daily basis. And the first the first day I walked, I noticed something glimmering on the ground. I was like, what is that? You know, thought it was a penny or something. I reached down and it was a bullet. Um, it was uh, a 22. Um, it was a, it was a, a round from a 22 pistol. Um, and it, sh it shocked me, but I was like, dang, man, you know, my kids, because I want to do recess. That's important to me. Yeah. I, I'm a middle school principal that want to go outside and play kickball. And I saw that. I was like, man, I may have to reconsider what I'm doing. Well, the rest of August, I continued to walk around my campus. And each day there would be new ammunition, spent ammunition on my, on my campus um, within my grounds. And now I'm up to about nine or ten bullets just sitting in my drawer because when I see them, I'm, pu I'm picking them up immediately. I don't want my kids to bump into them. I don't want, right. um, we had one bullet that was, that was, uh, they I, apparently hit something and shattered. That might be evidence. Let me just get it off the campus. I want my kids having to deal with it. So now I have this drawer full of bullets <laughs> from my, from yeah. my daily walks. And yeah, Taylor, you got to see that. I did. I did. <laughs> How and, was that for you? <laughs> and it was, and you know, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's one of those things that I love that you're, you're trying to protect your kids also from the idea because you know one our my my number one um pillar of education is for every child to be known and loved and because if they are known and they are loved when they walk into a building mm -hmm. they are safe and safety for, allows you to learn and i mm -hmm. love that you're you're out there as a guard dog yep. right 100 making sure that you're doing that um that's fantastic man 100 percent. they got to so. see me I, I i keep telling folks I am very, very uh, territorial, and that's my school. I know yeah. it's in the middle of, of the hood. I know, you know, we have situations out there, but that's my school. And I want you to see my face. And 99% of the time, I'm smiling, so I want you to see my smiling face. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Most definitely. All right.
Kenneth, man, thank you. Thanks for being on this. This has been awesome. Man, this is great, man. We got to do it again. Absolutely. We got Next time we do it, let's do it from my office. Let's do it in the, in the hood. Let's do it. We'll, yes, see, sir. we'll see what com comes in the background from what you're telling me. Right? <laughs> Come on now. Hey, All let's, right. Let's hey, talk not too it, much. KDS parents, thank you guys for listening. And, and you know, as, um, as Kenneth shares his story, there's a lot. And there's more that's going to be coming. There's more things. And it's going to make us feel uncomfortable. And I'll say, um, let, let's do this right. Let's do this well. And, uh, and you know, again, Kenneth, thanks for coming on. This has oh, been definitely. fantastic. So Definitely. We'll be back. All right. Sounds good.